Hey, everybody. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of the Golf Life Alberta Podcast. I am your host, Leah Smethen, here with my co-host, Brian O'Neill. And today we have a special guest co-host again, uh, Mr. Todd Halpin from the Golf Canada Calgary Centre. Welcome, guys. Hey, Leah. Thanks for having me on today. Now, Todd is the Director of Instruction at the Golf Canada Calgary Centre. He's also a former PGA Tour Canada, uh, also known as now the McKenzie Tour player, and uh, he has a degree in psychology, which I find particularly fascinating, um, especially as an instructor. Uh, So we'll definitely be picking his brain for some mental game tips later on. Ryan, in the meantime, we've got some crazy stuff happening in our March Madness bracket. It's at a new level. Um, March Madness is madness, even though, again, as we said in our last pod, it's April, but uh, the votes keep on growing every single matchup. And, uh, and yeah, we're on to the final four. This is, uh, this is the, the big stuff. This is for all the marbles almost. This is insane. Like, we have single matches getting over a 1,000 votes each. Yeah, and uh, not to rub any salt into the wound, Leah, but uh, my golf course is moving on. And, um, that's another point for Edmonton and the Edmonton and area courses against your Calgary courses. So just you know what the Calgary yeah. courses, I I have to say, Todd, we gotta like we gotta get something going next year because I I I can't even argue with Ryan. The engagement <laughs> just wasn't at the level that. Uh, Central, Southern, Northern, everywhere else was uh, Calgary and Mountain Courses next year. We got to get a little bit more out of you because we had some crazy upsets today in in the Elite Eight. Todd, did did you have a chance to check out the Final Four yet? Uh, I haven't seen the Final Four, Leah, but I have been following along and casting quite a few votes. And uh, all my favorite courses and ones that I think are the best are long gone. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't even <laughs> I don't even know how to vote for some of these. I don't even know how <clears throat> I'm not going to name drop any courses because uh, I still want to play there as a PGA of Alberta member. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, pretty shocked that some of my faves like they, they didn't make the cut. So it'll be interesting to see how we structure the brackets next year. I think. Yeah, for sure. Um, as we kind of discussed, well, you and I knew I was going to get something from you. Uh, when the bracket first came out because I, I last minute and, and it was funny cause I was actually having a discussion with Cody uh, right before. And as you know, I actually live only about a half an hour away from your favorite track in Alberta. Uh, and it got pulled off at the very last minute. I can't even remember what I ended up replacing it with, but I knew I was going to hear from you about not having black bull on there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> definitely one of the gems out there and it's just I just love it it's so long and so difficult you'll you'll not you'll not find a tougher test to golf in the province so but uh yeah it's interesting looking at the northern side because there's a lot of golf courses up there that I have not played before I've never played Mayfair or Windermere or Edmonton Country Club and you know to you know to think of how many golf tournaments and rounds of golf I've played in this province to not play like quite a few up there is uh yeah, I didn't even realize it, but I've gone up there lots, but I always played Glendale and Blackhawk, uh, Wolf Creek, and I guess that's not quite in uh, Edmonton, but uh, yeah, a bunch of others, obviously Redtail a lot too, but yeah, it's kind of too bad I haven't been able to play some of the country clubs up there. Did you go through the original bracket of 64 and count how many of them you have played? Uh, not all of them, no, I didn't. Probably over... 
40, I'd guess. Yeah, I would guess you'd be over 40 for sure. Well, Ryan, why don't you uh, announce the final four? Todd might be a little bit surprised at this, actually, because there was a couple of upsets. <laughs> yeah, so our final four is my home course, the quarry, uh, matched up against uh, Coal Creek out in Riley, Alberta. Um, probably the biggest upset. Am I wrong in saying that, Leah? With no. Coal Creek, Coal Creek <laughs> winning by two votes over Jasper Park Lodge. Um, And then on the other side, we have Windermere, private track in Edmonton, matched up against Medicine Hat Golf and Country Club. Quite the final four. Yeah, I know. Um, But you know what? These small towns have come out in just in masses and the voting and the sharing. Ryan, did you see how many shares and votes we had on that Pine Hills Medicine Hat one? So total votes was almost at 2000 just between the two tracks. And <laughs> it, it was a nail biter. I think, I think Medicine Hat only won by less than 50 votes or something like that. So um, yeah, it's, I think Medicine Hat could be the one to win just based on the support they received. And they took out another course that has just been so supportive the whole way through in, in Pine Hills. So I think uh, regardless of who comes out uh, on the other side of their, their uh, bracket, that medicine hat, they, I think, are the favorite right now. Just based on us being able to see the votes uh, week in and week out. But, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and touching on, on Todd, what you mentioned earlier, that your, what you consider the best tracks were out a long time ago. We touched on this a little bit last week, too, that the best, you know, the quote-unquote best tracks in this province – have kind of been out for a while and it's more of this voting popularity contest at this point and it's actually taken a little bit of a direction that I don't think Ryan and I were even expecting but you know what it's it maybe it isn't the quote-unquote best course in the province but obviously by the number of votes it is the favorite <laughs> yeah there's nothing wrong with that a big part of a golf club is having an active fun membership that likes to get engaged with stuff so i mean if you were to do a, a ranking system based on the okay the the most challenging or the most capable of hosting tour events okay well then you can get me in the conversation you know you can take out coal creek okay like you can't like it's gonna be pretty challenging to host a, a tour event there it's just not quite big enough mm-hmm. you know you bring the wind, the Windermere's, the even you know maybe the I haven't played the quarry, but uh, I know it's uh, definitely pretty capable of hosting a you know a, a challenging event. And they can make it quite challenging, but then you got to get, get Redwood Meadows back in there. You got to have more merit points for like a Kananaskis kid from the tips. Um, Calgary Country Club couldn't couldn't host anything because there's a road going through it. So, but yeah, that's that's not what the contest is. So hey, you have your final four. And, you know, Medicine Country, Medicine Hat Country Club is awesome. I played there probably 20 years ago in the Alberta Junior, but I haven't been back. So I have no idea what it's like now. I know it's great, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, I think we'll have to make a road trip there at some point and, and go see what all the madness is about. Well, this past weekend was uh, a little bit of madness on on several different levels in the golf world. Uh, where should we start, Ryan? Well, it's funny how we were kind of almost passing on the fact that the PGA Tour was stopping uh, at the Valero Texas Open this uh, this past week because we just wanted it to be Masters Week. And then, sure enough, uh, Canadian Monday qualifier Corey Connors 
has a wild Sunday and uh, takes home his first PGA Tour win. He had a great a great week altogether. But yeah, that final round was four pars, four bogeys, and ten birdies. I mean, that's insane. Now, did you see on the Golf Life Alberta Twitter page, I was retweeting so many videos last night because his wife Mallory was hilarious to watch during the round. Did you see her? Yeah, she like stole the show. Um, just genuine shock, support. Uh, I mean... I think your wife should be, uh, you know, very supportive of you when you're on the golf course, regardless. But um, yeah, considering the roller coaster he was on in the on the front nine, like like even four pars for the whole round, that's like something I do when I'm on the golf course. Four pars is uh, good for me. So um, I was going to yeah. say you don't match that with ten birdies, though. That's no, no, no. Yeah, that that part, no, definitely not. Maybe ten, <laughs> ten bogeys, couple doubles, four doubles. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, Mallory. I mean. I would have been just as excited. And then we see our fellow Canadian Mac Hughes celebrating as only us Canadian know, Canadians know how to do us by double fisting on 18. Like that's, that's how you meet out, meet up with your buddy after the round with a couple of beers waiting for him. Todd, do you, did you get to play with any of these guys? Or are they a little bit too young for your history there? Uh, no, Corey's is a bit too young. I haven't played with Mac either. Some of the guys that I played with are like James Hahn, like that age group, maybe five or six years oh that's so uh, older cool this crew, like the 32 year olds on tour maybe i'm 36 now so um yeah those, those guys are a bit younger but you know just hearing you guys talk about it and obviously being at work at the golf center all day and my phone was blowing up yesterday like i'm still a bit speechless um like cory connors was always on the radar of of the, like the golf fans but no one in the world knows who Corey Connors is, really. He's 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 known by the the Canadian golf fan uh, click. That's it. that's in the big picture. That's a pretty small amount of people. But yeah. when you look back at what he did in the last two years and how, you know, if you dug deep and got the you know Golf Canada pressers, the PGA of Canada pressers, and started to see like what he's really done, like like all the Monday qualifiers that he's done, how he climbed up through the Mackenzie Tour, Web Tour, to get to this point. Um, it, it is it's not surprising to see him win in the sense that okay there's the mac hughes that won in the fall nick taylor won in the fall uh hadwin won i, I mean Hadwin's was quite a bit better obviously he played in the, the president's cup too but just the way that he did it yesterday like you said it a couple times the roller coaster how incredible of a front nine was that and then to go do what he does on the back nine six birdies like that that is stuff of like folklore man especially with a master's birth like on the line like you're the you're the you're the pro here todd how would you recover after you know finishing that front nine with four straight bogeys six birdies <laughs> <laughs> I, I recommend to do that that's okay, I, okay that's how i would teach you to do that just what he did do that uh, um, yeah like uh, yeah that, that's getting into another mental thing and it starts with the word recovery you can only recover if you think something has gone wrong if, if you're injured you don't need recovery if you don't get injured so Corey just he never got hurt so there's nothing to recover from golf is golf you're gonna make bogeys you're gonna make birdies I mean he, he was still even par on the front mm -hmm. right still in contention like nothing had changed about his goal for the day like really nothing had changed <clears throat> that like all this pressure and all that roller coaster that was everyone else's perception like he's so ready for this that you know, he knows he's going to make about the same amount of, you know, let's just say he wants to make 
one bogey and, and two birdies. That's his ratio, two to one. And so on the front nine, he's a little, little behind. Okay, oh, no, no big deal. So that would be his mindset, right? He wouldn't have to recover. There's nothing to recover from. So we'll touch on that maybe a little bit later. Yeah, I, I like that a lot. And yeah, I posted uh, a picture on my Facebook. I think I might have shared it on the Golf Life Alberta Twitter as well. Um, but I met Corey Connors at a media event at the Glencoe Club back in 2015, which was just after the Masters where he earned the low amateur. He still missed the cut that year, but then he turned professional right after and it was Golf Canada introducing him on their young professional squad for the first time. So I I knew he was going to eventually win. I knew I was going to brag about that picture one day back then. And it's funny because in 2015, when I posted the picture, I got six likes. No one knew who the guy was. And so I just reshared it to my page now. And certainly a lot more people know who Corey Connors is now. Definitely. Now we had the first major of the year. Ryan, we accidentally skipped over talking about this last week. Uh, but the first major of the year uh, with the LPGA, with the ANA inspiration. Yeah, I feel kind of bad because like we were pumping up the uh obviously the amateur uh, championship at augusta and again we were kind of in this uh, master's mode if you will but like it's it's major season all over the place and, and the lpj was was no different um having their first major of the year um and jin young ko uh was our winner three shot victory and got to celebrate with the famed jump into poppy's pond um I, I can't say I've paid an, a lot of attention to the LPGA so far this season, but it was her second victory in three weeks, and she's now the new uh, number one in the LPGA World Rankings. Um, I guess she's been on fire uh, lately. She's had three other finishes in the top three, so um, yeah, she just got hot at the right time, and, and now she's a major winner. That's awesome. Uh, Canadians Brooke Henderson and Alina Sharp finished T17 at two under as well. Uh, Todd, did you have a chance to catch the LPGA at all this weekend? You know, I didn't watch any on Sunday, thanks to Corey Connors, but uh, I did watch uh, quite a bit of it, actually, ironically, Thursday and Friday morning. Um, So working kind of like the noon to eight shift at the golf center, I do have a bit more time in the mornings to watch golf and do paperwork and you know, sure enough, uh, LPGA was on. So it was pretty neat to just have that on and do some work and, you know, just see all the attention to detail that all these girls are, are really paying uh, to their golf games leading up to majors. And it's nice to see the storylines behind it. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry I got distracted from it with uh, our Canadians uh, charged to the Valero Championship. Yeah, that's understandable. Totally. But I did watch the, the jump in the pond. My girlfriend had never seen this before, so I had to tell her all about it. And, uh, you know, I remember the – you know, back in the day before they built the uh, water hazard into, or sorry, the penalty area into a pool, <laughs> an actual lake, and the girls would come out just, uh, you know, a little murky. I mean, it's still Palm Springs. It's not that bad, but it's it's certainly not a pool. So it's nice they class that up a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Now, we also had the Augusta National Women's Amateur taking place the first two rounds uh, what golf course was that at? That was uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, I can't remember. No, okay, yeah. Todd's got it for us. Thanks. Uh, yeah, Champions Gate. Yes. And then uh, 
on Friday. So then they did a cut for the first 30 or the top 30 players. Friday, actually, the entire field got to play Augusta for a practice round. And then Saturday was the actual final round at Augusta with the top 30 there. Um, Jennifer Cupcho took home the inaugural title with a four-stroke victory. How amazing would that feel? You just won a golf tournament at Augusta. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I didn't realize they did. They had a cut in this. So there were some girls that went through all this to, to get invited and they didn't get to play Augusta in the, in the tournament? Correct. That's ridiculous. I just learned that last <laughs> week too, yes. Um, I was happy to learn, though. I thought it was only the top 30 that got to play that practice round on the Friday. So at least they still got to play it, but not in the tournament. That's absurd. I How many were in the field? It wasn't even a full field, was it? it was like no, it was like 60, yeah, 66 or 67 or something. Yeah, that I think they'll, uh, that's yeah, I think they can definitely fix that probably for next year um, or in the years coming. I think the whole idea about – Yeah, um, I, was, I was shocked to see them play a different golf course for the first yeah. year. I, like, yeah. I don't know. That, that's. I didn't know that was happening either. Yeah, like hopefully they change it. There's no reason, like – these 60 young ladies have clearly made some right decisions in their life to be able to, to be good enough at golf and to play in this event. Like why don't just let them play three rounds at Augusta, like a week earlier for a couple of days, like poor girl that doesn't, you know, thinks her whole year that she's going to get to play at Augusta in the, you know, in a tournament and then misses the cut. Well, like this, our Canadian the cut. She did. Yep. And, yeah. and this raised um, some eyebrows this weekend too. You know, there were, the golf channel of course was gushing over it and how Augusta is, is doing this amazing thing for the game. And, and I found myself actually before I was even on Twitter reading some of this, that like you were saying, Todd, half the field, more than half the field didn't even get to play Augusta in that final round. I did not learn this until Ryan broke the news to me on the podcast last week. And, and then I kind of found myself a little bit sour thinking like, man, they're, they're getting all of this attention and everything for, for what, just catching up with the times. And then still again, more than half the field didn't get to play in the tournament round. That does just leave a sour taste in your mouth. Like yeah, they're playing a, a random champ. It's called champions retreat. Sorry. Champions retreat for two rounds. And they called the Augusta national women's amateur. It's not, it's the champions retreat and Augusta national women's amateur. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's still, I mean, it's still good. Ho- hopefully they'll modify it over the years as most tournaments do adapt. So hopefully a step, they do. Uh, a yeah. step in the right direction, I guess we can say. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, we also yesterday had the drive, chip, and putt finals on. <laughs> These kids are so fun to watch. I mean, it's it was awesome. So there was five Canadians that made it to the finals, and one of them uh, became victorious, Nicole Gal. Uh, or is it Gall? Gall. Uh, out of Oakville, Ontario, she claimed the 14, 15 year old girls division title. What do you guys think? Did you watch it? Didn't catch any of it myself, but I heard this is the third championship, like age division, I guess, wise that Canada has won. So we've had some pretty good results in this, um, in this little tournament, I guess. Um, so props to us on that. But I, I mean, scrolling through Twitter a little bit, and these these kids are so good like it's it's mind-boggling actually like and of course the like you saw ty uh qualifier attempt to you know make it to augusta and like ty's no slouch either and he he barely you know missed out so i like these kids are so good so 
uh, it was it was cool to see like just them be just genuinely pumped about even just hitting a couple punts, uh, putts and, and, and chipping uh, on that 18th green. Did you catch any of it, Todd? Um, not live. I watched uh, like throughout the week golf channels on my at my house pretty much 24-7. So I, I saw some highlights from years past and um, I saw the highlights from this year's competition as well and, and saw a couple of social media posts actually from the uh, Canadian gal that won. And um, yeah, obviously really good for the game. And I just can't help but think what a little spaz I would be if I was out there at that age. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Unreal. Now, yeah. in, in honor of the finals, uh, I had Tyler a while ago write about his experience with the drive chip and putt qualifiers this past year. It was our first year doing anything even remotely close to that. And the kid made it through stage one, made it through stage two. And in stage three, he knew that that invitation to Augusta was on the line. And man, he, he put so much pressure on himself. I feel so bad. I did up a little video montage of his experience and my heart absolutely shattered while I was making that video because I could just, I could feel the pain. And, and Todd, I'm going to ask you a little bit in our mental games segment about how he and others might be able to deal with immense pressure like that. Um, Cause yeah, he just he, one out of the three shots in each of the disciplines went awry and it put him into fifth place instead of first, like he was at every other one. Yeah. How do you handle that? Um, tougher at that age for sure. How old is he? 10? 11. 11. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty challenging question. It, uh, like, did he take it really bad or how did he react yeah it 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 was a hard it was a very hard day it was a lot of tears a lot of lost confidence a lot of I mean the kid he got first at every qualifier he went to and by a long shot so um he hadn't really experienced a heartbreaking loss like that before at all not even a little bit I think it maybe needed to happen though it'll teach him more than if he won you know what I mean yeah, exactly. I mean, and, and that's, it sounds super cliche, but at that age group, I mean, you, you're going to have to start failing at some point, you know, if you're not failing, you're not challenging yourself. So as far as, you know, how to, how to structure that kind of uh, learning for a, a student, you know, there, there's a bunch of different theories on it, but you know, you want to make it essentially challenging enough that they succeed six or seven times out of 10, whatever the task is. So mm-hmm. if they're succeeding more than that, you make the target smaller or the goal more challenging. If they're succeeding less than that, you soften the expectation. So as a general rule, that would be the case. Well, in a drive chip and pot, like, yes, his, he's, you're not going to be able to, to structure that learning environment. So he was in first and first and first, and then, when he got to a bigger uh, you know, event, he was way back, right? So how I would handle that, I would teach him exactly what I just said. Like at his age group, that's what we want to do. We want to challenge you. And unfortunately, based on logistics and North America is massive place, uh, um, this is what happened. You, you were overskilled for the first three events or whatever it was, and then you hit a wall. That, that doesn't mean you're not good anymore. That doesn't mean you're, you're anything else. It means that you vaulted past where you're at and an 11 year old's not going to be able to you know to put that into perspective like I I could right away like let's say let's say the three of us are on a darts team and 
and we're, we're, you know, crushing everybody in Alberta. And then we go to nationals and just get dominated by Ontario. Like, would we even skip a beat? No, we'd, we'd, we'd get the population concept. <laughs> like, right. you know what I mean? Like we would get that that jump to nationals is, you know, there's still 18 teams in Ontario that are going to be better than their number one team from Alberta. So like right. we would be able to put that into perspective really quickly. He wouldn't be able to. Yeah, exactly. So, it's interesting. I've actually seen a lot more like infographic type kind of imagery things explaining that to kids um, and, and just structuring learning like that where, um, you know, maybe even five or six years ago that uh, information wasn't, you know, as, as clear. Yeah, definitely. I think uh, the three of us would be a really good dart team. Um, I think we should <laughs> test that out. Hey, uh, I like about a three beer buzz and I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, Hey, no, that's the only way I was going to be on this team, Todd. So uh, three beers, let's do it. Perfect. Well, we all know that the national finals of drive cheap and putt marks the beginning of masters week. Oh, this is great. Hey, it's Christmas. You know what, Todd, we got to know. I think I might have asked you this last year, but I cannot actually remember. And I don't think the, that the Masters was your answer. Um, what is your favorite major of the year? Oh, man. Oh, boy. Leah, that's a loaded question. I love the Masters, but it's, it's the same every year. And so, you know, it, it's kind of – it is a major, yes, but it's also the Masters. I don't put it in a category with the other ones. It's, it's all the same. Um, when you look at the U.S. Open, PGA, and – and the British, I mean, you're looking at, at entirely different settings and storylines and history per course. You know, Carnoustie has a whole different story than St. Andrews. And, you know, you can really go on and on about the U.S. Open history if it's an Olympic club or if it's at Shinnecock or Oak, Oakmont or, or what have you. So, yeah, my, my favorite major of the year is probably not the Masters, but the Masters is my favorite golf tournament of the year. <laughs> I don't have a better answer for you than that. This was the biggest cop out of an answer I think we've heard yet. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't go wrong with the the Masters. I mean, you're getting the best coverage. You know, I think it's is it still like 57 or 58 minutes per hour of of coverage and Monday yeah. to Sunday. Uh, you know, the website is surreal. But, you know, as we were preparing for this uh, podcast, I went on Masters.com and there's a 46 image uh, slideshow that took up my whole computer screen. And it was images of the golf course that I had never seen before. I got a little misty eye just looking at this slideshow. And, you know, I can see now why people, like, they say, like, as good as the coverage is on TV, until you go, you have no clue. And just looking at the slideshow, I was just blown away. And, and, you know, those emotions that it evokes, there's no way I would get that from any of those other majors that I mentioned. They just... And maybe that's why it's the same thing every year. And yet it's still so elusive for our, you know, for us to, to be there. Like I can go play Carnoustie. I could go play Shinnecock. There's no chance I'm getting out at Augusta. Not with my track record. <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it just, it hits me in all the feels. I don't know. Maybe it's, maybe I don't like change. I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I love the masters. What's your favorite major? For sure. The masters. By far. Okay. What yeah. about you, Ryan? Yeah, we were both we were both Masters fans. Uh, uh, we discussed last week a little bit. Okay, okay. So that's why you guys didn't like my answer then. Okay. Well, well, okay. I, hey, we, we didn't not like your answer. <laughs> um, let's chat a few storylines here. Um, before we get into 
people, I kind of wanted to throw out, I don't know if you guys were aware, I was watching a little bit of the coverage today. So they've extended the fifth hole a little bit, which brings the fifth tee box further away from the fourth green. It's supposed to help uh, move along pace of play a little bit better. Uh, what do you guys, do you know about it? Do you have an opinion on it? My thoughts, it's weird. Like when I think of the front nine at Augusta, I think of like two holes and then the other ones kind of get lost for me. I don't, I don't know why. Um, so I, I can't even tell you what the fifth hole, what, what's special about it. Um, for the, me, the front nine, the second hole is that par five. That's kind of down the hill to the left where Louie made that double Eagle. And then, uh, and then the eighth hole, also another par five uphill, and you always have those blind second shots. So honestly, it's not like I don't care about uh, the fifth hole and what they've done to it. It's just like I, I can't really think about too many holes on the, on the front, mainly because I think it's just a big setup for the drama that's going to unfold on, on the back. Todd? Yeah, and I I'd, uh, tend to agree with, with Ryan. I, I do know number one and nine pretty well. Obviously, those are pretty – obvious you know why, why you would see those shots uh number two like you said with the uh, you know the downhill dog leg left with Usazen's sorry you said albatross yeah um <laughs> and uh and a bunch of other uh, like incredible shots there right um so you'll, you'll see that a little bit but yeah the three four five six do kind of get lost in the fray um i just pulled up a course map right now and even looking at them yeah like nothing comes to uh to mind I, there's one part three there I, I think that does you do see a handful of shots there but yeah certainly number five um i'm looking at it here and yeah i can't recall that that many historic shots over the years being played on the on the fifth hole so i don't think it'll be that big of a deal yeah they don't get a ton of coverage over there that's for sure now let's let's start some storylines with some people. So let's start with the big cat first. Let's get this one out of the way. Uh, Todd, how do you think Tiger is going to do this week? Oh boy, I think he'll do pretty well. I'm thinking like a top ten, but um, yeah, I'm just I'm not sold on him on him winning. I think that'd be just such a monumental thing for golf and sports if he was to put on the green jacket on Sunday and you know a big part of me is hoping he does I've been a Tiger fan my whole life and you know after watching him win the tour championship last summer um you know I, th I thought that would never happen I thought that would never happen again and with how good he's playing this year already I you know I, I don't know he, he's let us down before with all these injuries and these comebacks and even even to see him come back and win the tour championship last year I just I just don't know if he's going to be able to pull off that major win. You know, I think that's the one last thing he's got to do to prove that, you know, he's back, quote unquote, you know, until he wins that major, um, you know, it's not going to be there. So that's, that's the big, you know, I think that's the big thing in his mind, the, the last hurdle that he has to get over. Like, I think if he wins one more, he'll win five more, but it's that next one. So is he ready to do that right now? I mean, I think he could. His stats aren't too bad. I mean, I think he's 15th. In, well, I got some. I got a stats engine here, so let me pull up a couple of things. He's he's 15th in strokes gained um, at Augusta combined with his last 50 rounds at any golf course. So he he's playing world class golf. But when you combine his Masters history in the last 10 years and his recent form in the last six months, he's top. He's 15th. So 
tough to go wrong in there. But again, at Augusta, he hasn't played that much lately. He, you know, he missed three of the last five years. Um, so I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think he's ready? Do you think he can pull it off? Well, I made, I bring this up often. Um, now lately I bring it up because I actually hope that I'm wrong. I made a bet back in 2011 that Tiger would never win another major. Um, I think at the time I, I didn't think he would ever win again, but I quickly took that back and, and made it that he would never win another major. I, I want, I want him to do. I think he's going to do it at the masters this year, man, that'd be awesome. I, I don't know. Ryan. I mean, if he's going to win a major th- this year, I think this is the course that he would do it on. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know if I read this uh, in his Sunday practice round or his Monday practice round, but he was just going there, uh, like out there, you know, it, with a wedge. Like to me, that means he's pretty comfortable with the golf course and he's just trying to work on those small, you know, nuances and, and figure out those, you know, maybe get reestablished with those small breaks here and there on those greens. Like to me, it's, it seems like he's got a game plan for the whole golf course and he's just trying to fine tune, um, you know, kind of those, delicate skills that you're going to need around the Augusta green. So if, if he wins one this year, it's, it's this one, but I'm kind of with Todd here. I, I, he's going to scare the leaders a little bit. I think he's got a top 10 locked up. Okay. The next obvious one, Rory, Ryan, take it away. <sighs> uh, my comments were after the, the match play that it seems Rory went um, kind of back to old Rory where he was, scared of the of the big matchup you know losing to tiger in that match play uh, event um obviously he's looking to complete the career the career grand slam this week um but i was watching his interview today and is it just me or is he like got some serious gray hairs going on uh on the side of his head uh for a 30 for a 30 year old it seems like the stress is has got to him or something like that. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't, I don't think he'll win uh, this week either, but uh, another top 10 Rory, I think does amazing things at this golf course, but uh, I think he'll just come up a little bit too short. Yeah. I'm, I'm with Ryan on that one. Um, after watching him in the players and just, just all of his interviews kind of going around the last uh, couple of months, like he, he's trying to take this nonchalant approach to things and, you know, he's going to be okay if he loses, okay if he wins. It's not going to, like, make or break his life. And I, I get that perspective. But, you know, I, I kind of tie back to something I saw Sean Foley say about Justin Rose in the, uh, when he won the U.S. Open. And Justin Rose said, you know, I'm going to go out there tomorrow and pretend I'm at Islesworth and just hit my hit my shots like I'm on the eighth tee box at Islesworth. And Sean Foley said, no, 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 don't do that. Don't waste energy pretending to be somewhere you're not you are in the u.s open you are at oakmont embrace it and and absorb it and and be in that moment like don't don't try and pretend somewhere you're not and so like i mean that that does correlate in my mind uh pretty significantly to that nonchalant attitude of rory where i'd be like no rory like you need to be mad if you screw up a tee shot on the third hole on thursday you should be pissed off like this you don't have many chances at this like, you need to buckle down here, bud, and grind like you've never grinded before. Don't be okay with missing. Um, so, yeah, I think he's going to need, a, you know, maybe a couple more years to really to really get that mindset back. Um, I think he had the desire when he was a lot younger, uh, but it maybe came from a more playful place. But, you know, now he's got to find that ability to just dig deep and absolutely grind because 
Um, I think just being a little more apathetic about things, um, especially at Augusta, might lead him to play okay but not be aggressive enough when it uh, when it comes right down to it. Um, just going back to Tiger for a second, right? I like what you said about I was just going out there with wedges. You know, he's he's been caught up in technique a lot uh, over his career and. One thing I have noticed is that he is just embracing having fun out there and being creative and not being caught up in technique. And the ability to, to do that is really paramount at Augusta when you have to create different club face and club path variations with wedges from anywhere inside, you know, 100 yards. And when you really add up the amount of face path combinations, including angle of attack that you have to create with a wedge, you're looking at 60,000 plus options. Um, and so when I would be teaching someone, we would look to um, streamline that because you can't practice 60,000, but you could certainly structure it so that you could get a range of practice. And let me give you an example. If you, if you have a downslope of five degrees and you wanted to hit a five degree path to the left of your face, you could structure a practice and do 20 shots like that. Then do 20 where you're going 10 left of your club face. And bit of golf terminology there, but uh, maybe we could touch on that or do, do some lessons or something to catch, catch people up to speed. But you can't, the point is you can't do technique when you have that much variability. And so to see or, or to hear you say that, Ryan, about, about Tiger just going out and being creative, you know, that makes me think maybe he's in a better mindset than, than we thought 20 minutes ago. So <laughs> I don't know, man. Like you look at Bubba and Phil, okay? So They've done quite well there over the that last couple of years, and they are creative with their wedges. So when you're stuck in technique and you're trying to do things the same way, it doesn't work in all these different scenarios with lie and loft and path and face. But being creative does work. And actually, Ricky Fowler said today that that you know sometimes the person who's the most creative wins the Masters. And uh-huh. you know he was really embracing that links golf setup where you know you could be ten yards off the green and you could have twenty different options. They're all fine, but whichever one you, you choose, you got to stick with, whether it's you know bumping an eight iron into the hill or, or flopping a pitching wedge because that's the way the slope worked. Um, they, they could both work out, but either one, you gotta, you got to nail it. you got to hit a great shot. All right, you guys. We're going to leave it there uh, for now. That is going to be part one of this week's Masters Preview podcast. And uh, stay tuned a little bit later on this evening. We will post part two. And uh, we got a little bit of mental game uh, questions in there for you, too, a little later on. And if you are totally wanting to nerd out on golf, kind of in a Bryson DeChambeau way, make sure that you come back and listen to part two later. <laughs> <laughs>